0: Your party begins their trek into the heart of the forest. Saplings are broken, and there are partings in the tall grass where animals have fled and then been stopped. There is a subtle trail to follow. There is the smell of a kill, days old and hidden from your view. Your party is here to find a predator. Someone reads aloud the letter that brought you here once more. Hail and well met. This correspondence is intended only for the eyes of the daring party whom have shared their tales and exploits at our fine native inn. I am seeking out those without fear of the unknown, those who can conquer nature and have seen the many dangers of this world. My name is not important, but my house is well known in this region. Ask anyone, show them the wax seal and see the awe and recognition in their eyes." My family has long been eccentric, with certain wants and needs to be fulfilled, and your party can make this a reality. I would like for you to acquire something for me. I will not be asking too much, only that you acquire something for me. A pet, an animal of much renown that you must have heard of as you have passed through this world. I am referring to the prime predator of the forests of the north, the unabashed ruler of the animal world, the owl bear. These creatures fascinate me. Not avian nor mammalian, a blend of the two. Their keen black eyes see all of their domain in clarity. Their bulk so massive that they can rend a horse in a matter of moments across their sharpened claws and hardened beaks. Yes, I seek one for my own. And not a trophy, a living, breathing thing of beauty to observe. There are reports of them encroaching upon towns across the forest edge, pairs pushing their boundaries. I will pay handsomely for one to be brought to me, preferably a youngling, something to mold to my needs as it grows. You need not reply, just take action." Ask anyone of the truth of my word and the depth of my coin purse. Bring the animal to my family's estate, and you will be treated like royalty. Much admiration, my new friends. Your party finds the end of the trail, the mouth of a cave, a cut in the earth that recedes far down into blackness. Your party moves slowly, scanning the tree line behind you for any movement. You're almost within the maw when there is a chitter from within the cave, and your eyes adjust. There is a form just visible, tense and low and waiting for you to get just close enough. A glint of monstrous eyes, a scarred beak just open to chitter at prey. Your party readies themselves. Roll for initiative. Hello and welcome to the fifth edition of Monsters and...
1: Uh, this time around we're going to be Monsters and Mamers.
0: Mamers. That doesn't quite sound like a word, but well, I... It's what we could come up with. I mean, to maim. It works for owlbears. It's so. not
1: easy to come up with M-words.
0: <laughs> this is what we're finding as we get deeper and deeper to the episodes of this show. And thank you once again for sticking around. Uh, we promise to be more. We're going to... Stick to a better schedule. We have it, it written down. It's on the book. We have a book. Everybody, we have a book. But to say once more, I am John Natsky.
1: And I'm Christine Stouffer.
0: And this is a Monsterpedia podcast where we go through famous Dungeons and Dragons monsters and some well less known that we love and we want you to love too. And, right,
1: and uh, this week we're going to be talking about one of our favorites. And it seems like one of everybody's favorites. And we've mentioned it once or twice already Owlbears.
0: Owlbears have really risen to the top of. Things that aren't in dungeons or are dragons as the biggest thing in D&D. The most loved character at the very least. Would you say?
1: Yeah, I'd say so. I mean... They're so adorable. Who wouldn't want to love a little owl and bear?
0: <laughs> I mean, that, that's kind of been um, to to say something in pop culture. What really introduced me to the owl bear, like as like a like a parrot of my heart, was uh, Geek and Sundry using them as like a part of all of their like little vignettes. Uh, the cute big-eyed owl bear. Um, but we're kind of getting off track now. We need to tell you about the owl bear, and I'm going to start with where it originated from, which I think is kind of a very fun story. Gary Gygax developed uh the the system here and he was looking for monsters to include in games that he was running as he was fleshing out he B&D. was looking
1: for unique new monsters to come up with yeah. to introduce, you know, to entertain his players. Yeah.
0: So there's there was no Necessary backstory for this. Owlbears are not tied to mythology. They're not tied to a god. Literally, Gary Gygax walked into a a local store and uh, he he was browsing through models that they were selling. And there was a joke written on this bag of plastic uh, figurines that said, Prehistoric creatures. Ugh, excuse me, prehistoric creatures. And this was a joke because they were tiny molds of kaijus from Japan. So like the, the Godzilla, Rodan, Mothra-esque things. And Gygax took them home and he, he built monsters that are still being used to this day, that are still in all editions, from the little molds that he gotten, uh, including the owlbear.
1: Yeah, and the, the other two that he found from that were the boulet and the Rust Monster, which the Rust Monster looks incredibly like the, like, still does, looks incredibly like the kaiju that it comes from.
0: And we were, like, looking at a big list of all the different kaijus, trying to figure out exactly which one synced up with the uh, the bullet and uh, the Owlbear, but we couldn't quite nail it. I'm pretty sure there are pictures out there. We just really wanted to guess. If you know, just, hey, tell us. That's, that'd be cool of you. Um... But beyond that, in modern culture, they're not really used too much outside of D and D centric media. In and of itself, uh, they're in some video games outside, like tend to be JRPGs. Like Dragon Quest uses them, Wild Arms has used them, Kingdom Quest, Lineage. Um, There's
1: like a ton of other just like fantasy JRPGs and games in general. Neverwinter games, stuff and, like that.
0: Yeah, things like that, and they are a bit in. Um, they're, like, mentioned in other uh, things, but it's all kind of D&D-centric.
1: Yeah, they're in, like, a lot of the Forgotten Realms books, and even in, like, the D&D board games, like, uh, what is it, Lords of Waterdeep? Yeah. But otherwise, they're just...
0: They're in our hearts as huge nerds, mm-hmm. so that's where they reside, Christine.
1: All right, so let's move on to talking about the creature itself. What an owl bear is, what it looks like, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um an owl bear, as I'm sure you can guess, is a cross between an owl and a bear. It's a No. Hey. Hey. <laughs> um so it's it's a big old bear body with an avian head. It's got a thick, shaggy coat of feathers and fur. Um big old black two inch long claws, well, up to two inches on the males. Mm-hmm. Um it has yellow to ivory beaks, and big red-rimmed yellow glowing eyes. Um... It's got brown to yellow-brown fur, and it can weigh up to 1,500 pounds. Um, it's got a thick coat of feathers, and the males can be up to eight feet tall.
0: So it's they're really kind of domineering animals. Think about bears, but then also think about a beak that could tear you and rend you immediately. And then you have an owlbear.
1: Yeah, they're basically like... A grizzly bear with the head of an owl.
0: Yeah, it's te- it's terrifying. <laughs> uh, but now we want to get into kind of the the D and D world that's that's built around owl bears. So obviously, there's no direct correlation between you know beyond Gary Gygax thinking that an owl bear would be cool in the real world. Uh, but the
1: all right there's no like folklore or like mythology base for an owl bear.
0: Yeah, this is all from the head of Gygax. Uh Now. There has been some lore put together that says it's a result of a genetic experimentation by some insane wizard or group of wizards that all kind of gets mashed up together.
1: Yeah, and even in the books it said that wizard was probably killed by his own creation because, you know... Owlbears are crazy vicious.
0: Yes, it's true. They inhabit forests in temperate climates and subterranean labyrinths. So you'll be put into dungeons if you need them to. They live in caves or hollow stumps in uh, mated pairs. So that's kind of, you heard that in the flavor bit as well, where uh, the, the party ventures into a cave and the letter itself said they, they tend to, they were encroaching in pairs. So they are, they're like swans in a way. They, they stick together.
1: And they're also terribly nasty.
0: Yeah, yeah, they, they <laughs> kill the shit out of you. I should.
1: Swans are dangerous. Don't talk to them.
0: <laughs> this is uh, this is the moment where we get real about how hate, we hate we hate swans.
1: <laughs> I don't hate swans, but they're far more dangerous than they let on.
0: Okay, back to Uh The the dens and caves tend to be littered with the bones of their prey, so they they store uh, portions of the carcasses and surrounding rocks, bushes and trees. Again, you heard that in the lore. There's a smell of a kill in right. the distance,
1: and they are they are ravenous eaters. They're aggressive hunters, and they attack anything on sight and fight it to the death. They don't care if it's a big old like. I don't know, if it's another owlbear, if it's a fucking dragon, they'll attack it. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. Um, they have a huge territory. Uh, well, maybe not huge, but it's one to two square miles. Which is big um, for, like,
0: a beast in an area, when you think about it. Like, that's pretty impressive to, like, control that large block.
1: I don't know. They are pretty big, though. So, eh, I don't know. Whatever. Um, but they're very, very, very territorial, so they'll fight. <laughs> they'll basically just fight anything on site. mm mm-hmm. um, they eat anything from rabbits to bears to trolls to snakes and reptiles. Basically, again, anything. Um, they live up to 20 years. Uh, they're warm-blooded mammals that lay eggs. Um, incidentally, their eggs are worth a whole lot of money, and the younglings are worth a lot. And...
0: What do we say, like 5K gold? We looked uh, up, like, well, that was, I mean, like, that's average... what it said
1: in the original, like, in the one monster manual. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess. So you could
0: see why a noble would want something. of of their own
1: i mean that guy just seemed really weird though too
0: i mean i tried my best
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh so owlbears are active most active from noon to midnight they have like a weird nocturnal half nocturnal half daytime activity type thing because you know they're half bear half owl uh so they just mixed it together um they're not outright evil, but again, they're super vicious and will attack you no matter what. And you might hear them as you're coming up on them, because they communicate in a series of hoots and loud screeches, much like an owl.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, one thing that I did want to mention that I forgot to like put in when you were talking about food, there was this fun little like flavor text that got put in in like uh, the Never Realms wiki um, that I tried to put into the lore before, where... like. Owlbears are so domineering of the areas that they're in that they will, like, literally hunt their, like, prey pool to nothing. But then, like, owlbears learned how to, like, farm termites and use that as a, a, as a pool that they could keep refilling. And I thought that was amazing. And then there was this other bit of flavor that said that if, uh, if, if owlbear spit is mixed with termite bodies, it attracts horses.
1: Yeah, that was really weird. I don't know. <laughs> Wizards did some weird it stuff was, back was, in the that day. That sounds
0: like the weirdest thing that I could ever imagine.
1: Hey, I mean, whatever. Add, you know, adds to the world.
0: Yeah. Speaking of weird things, we're going to so, tell you about other types of owlbears yeah, now. Yeah, there's
1: a bunch of subtypes, like, probably like 10 to 20 subtypes. But um, we have a couple that we just wanted to talk about. Our, my favorite is the winged owlbear it's just an owl bear whose wings actually like work like wings mm-hmm. uh regular owl bears, their arms are like kind of wing like but they don't actually fly. Mm-hmm. These ones can fly, yep. they come out of their shoulders, so actually, I guess it has two sets of wings, and one of them is just arm wings,
0: yeah, so uh. For that, then, there is another, which is just kind of a badass version of, of an owlbear, the Arctic owlbear, which is, it just resembles a cross between a snowy owl and a polar bear, which that sounds like the most intimidating thing in the entire world to me, to be caught in a blizzard landscape and there is something that you can barely see, like in a snowstorm, and it's trying to kill you, Um I, I would be terrified, but please look up the rest of the subtypes as well. Have fun with them. You can pretty much, you can find an owlbear for any kind of campaign that you're running.
1: That being said, you can also make any kind of owlbear you want. If you can't find a subtype, just whatever. <laughs> just turn it into something else.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, that's that's true. I don't think we say that enough. Like, literally, this is a game. This is a game with made-up rules, so do what you want. But here's an idea. <laughs> Um, now we're going to jump into, uh, more thoughts about that. Like, here are some of the things that you encounter if you, like, if you encounter an owlbear, like, uh, little, if anything, a wild owlbear, like, actually has a fear of. There's, there's not something that, uh, will... Frighten be, and an owlbear. Fr- like it won't be
1: intimidated by
0: anything. They'll attack anything. Like we were saying before, even if it's stronger than it. Like you said, a dragon will come down, and it's like those NPCs from Skyrim that will just rush them like fists, <laughs> and like that's that's basically where they live all the time. Um, they they will grab victims and squeeze them like in an actual bear hug while it while it bites it like the the, the it rends it with the beak to death like just splits it down the center um it's not hard to trick an owlbear though because again they are, they are beasts they're monstrous beasts but they're still beasts they ain't too smart yeah you can obviously trap them or you know like kind of lemmings them off a cliff uh it just kind of due to them being you know so ver- uh, ferocious they can like bull charge in a direction um they're hard to tame, but with enough time, food, and luck, it can be done. And that's, again, kind of, like, the the overall goal of the intro we got was, like, it can be done. They can be, like, dancing bears from, <laughs> from like, Russia's past.
1: Right, and uh, the books even mention, like, a bunch of different ways that owlbears can be, like, used as, quote-unquote, tame beasts. Um they can be used as a guard or a mount. Um, and even one of the books mentions a remote frontier settlement that uses owlbears as like racing animals. Like they'll 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 ride them. It's like horses to race them. But apparently often it occurs with the death of the handlers mid-race. So, you know, not sure how successful that is. People often bet on the death of the owlbear <laughs> and the rider rather than the actual, you know, outcome of the race. Um, uh, there was also mention of elves encouraging them to den under their treetop villages so that they could, like, have kind of a built-in nature guard. Like
0: a symbiotic relationship, almost.
1: Well, not really symbiotic. The bear's not really getting much out of it, but...
0: I mean, the bear... The elves
1: are. I guess they're getting food, maybe? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Um... They're also tamed by hobgoblins and giants as war beasts and pets, and they're sometimes used in gladiatorial arenas, mm-hmm. uh, used in all kinds of different circumstances there, mostly as
0: killy beasts. Yeah, like you, you instead of like a lion or something, you could have something a bit more ambitious, like an owlbear show up in like a, a, a pit arena, something like that. And with that in mind, uh, uh, auspicious ideas, or ambitious, I should say, uh, we want to give you some thoughts about what we would do with owlbears. Okay, so the one that I will always bring up first is uh, I actually was able to use an owlbear in a campaign that I ran uh, with a couple of friends. It wasn't necessarily a huge sticking point in the campaign, but I think that it's something that can be considered when you are running your own game. I had them encounter an owlbear... Uh, in, in kind of a, a, an intimidating situation, they were able to see the size and the immensity of it, and then it was taken down by other means in the campaign. It was uh, to show the strength of the actual enemy or the actual villain, to see something so strong, something that was intimidating them so much, to... To just be taken out in that manner um, would give more height to the situation. It caused them to flee immediately. And uh, that was something that I was always kind of a little bit proud of that it, it worked out really well with the narrative so think of it um not necessarily that you can just like show off an animal but show off your story too with what you're doing um i'm not going to say that i i am a masterful storyteller because i feel like i just humble bragged for about four minutes while i just talked uh so i'm gonna shut up now and christine what are your thoughts about the situation
1: (laughs) uh i don't know there's a bunch of different things you could do with an owlbear and they're kind of just these vicious, monstrous creatures. So you could always have, like, a local legend of a really ancient owlbear that lives in the area that's just, you know, really old and survived a lot of crazy things. Like, maybe it fought a dragon and won, and mm-hmm. everyone talks about this bear out in the woods, and maybe there's, like, a reward if you go catch it, like, you know, like or like a, kill
0: it. A forever, like, kind of always there side quests that you can give to your party, like, that they can just go do. At any moment, so like that's something that's just kind of like there for them.
1: Like, right. Like, yeah. A, something, uh, I don't know, that just gives them like either like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like,
0: you know, like a reward. Like public favor. Yeah, like, like, it,
1: like, you know.
0: Like you can trade in the, the, the hide of that owlbear for like a.
1: Bragging rights. That's a, what I'm looking yeah, for.
0: Bragging, or, or even like the reward from a town. Like, here's a bunch of gold or a cool weapon or something like that. Like, you know, think of it in an RPG style. Uh,
1: yeah another similar one you could do somewhat related is like uh if an owlbear a pair of owlbears say maybe a town is like expanding a little bit or maybe an owlbear's territory is expanding into a town region and they're attacking a town and the town you know tries to recruit your players to help out and get rid of these owlbears
0: and then finally like you can even feel free to take the intro idea like would you help a noble steal the young of an owlbear like they're
1: so cute when they're young. I
0: mean, yeah, like they're they're a beast, so I mean, do you what do you where do you side on the situation? Would you do it for the coin if your party really needed the coin? Is it worthwhile to to get, put yourself at that much risk? Like You well, could
1: always uh your party could always, you know, do it for the noble but also keep one of the babies for itself and then have a baby owlbear as your, your pet slash future the, attack
0: creature. I mean, I guess so, but also that just makes me sad, I guess, for the mama owlbear.
1: Look. Forgotten Realms slash whatever Faerun. The (laughs) D&D universe is a vicious place.
0: All right. You just really want an owlbear, don't you?
1: Yeah, I do. Owlbears were like my first monster ever. Like, (laughs) not a joke. I'm pretty sure the first time I ever played D&D, an owlbear was the first thing we came up against.
0: Oh, that's adorable.
1: It was was my favorite.
0: (laughs) Well, on that... I, I guess, really nice note, we are going to jump into the, uh, the, the puzzle for this week. Uh, so, here we go. Your party pushes
1: through the labyrinth and is determined to reach the heart of the goddess. The hallways end and you are now in a great antechamber, a cavern that extends up several stories into darkness, but you can see thin, finger-like stalactites reaching down. The floor is uneven with strange rock formations and pits worn by water drips. The pools that you see are filled with copper-colored water. They look shallow but are dark and could be an unknowable depth. But what has had your party agog from the moment you first entered has been the gates at the far end of the chamber. It is taller than any gateway you've ever seen before and is made of the same stone as the rest of the chamber. But set in it are scenes of hunters and prey. Foxes and wolves wind up and down the gates like vines, and in the center, embedded in the doors itself, is another statue of the goddess. She holds in one hand a dagger pointed up, and in the other, her pitcher pours down. At the end of the statue is a pit, so deep that it can be considered a well. You stare down into it and try to see the bottom and light a torch, but there is inky blackness, save for the glint of something shiny at the bottom. This must be another trial of the goddess. So, John, what is this puzzle?
0: It's a basic kind of water displacement puzzle, is what I had in my head. And you can take it in any direction you'd want to, if you want to use this on your own. But the the thought being is that there is something at the bottom of the well that you will need to retrieve and put in the goddess's hands for the doors to be opened. Now, we had just kind of did some mock thoughts about that it could literally be a key it could be a skull because that's dark and edgy <laughs> um it just some kind of means uh, that would require you to probably scoop up water from the out exterior pools and drop it in so that the thing is raised to the surface or if you had a slender uh character or you know someone with small stature they could try to be lowered into the pit to try to reload, to try to pick it up
1: or you could um you could even use like there's tons of spells that you could use for this. You could levitate someone down, you could even levitate whatever it is up. Um, mm-hmm. there's I don't know, all kinds of things. Isn't there there's a spell like clairvoyance, right? To let you see what's down at the bottom of the yeah. well. So, is it clairvoyance?
0: Mm hmm. I uh, think. Let us know if that's wrong. <laughs> um, but uh the, the I I just kinda had in my head that it would be more of a physical task. You could, you could put any kind of spin on it you want. There's um,
1: also the spell create water. There you go. Could use that to fill up well, sort it of. It would probably take a while. <laughs> it would take a while, but I think create water only makes like five foot square of of water. Yeah. So depending, Not even it might just be a one foot cube of water.
0: What I had in mind for this then is that it was it would be like um Something that would be some kind of relic, almost in fact, that you couldn't use a spell necessary to lift necessarily to lift it. But that's some kind of arbitrary bullshit on my part. So
1: hey, if your players want to try it, let them try it. Do whatever you want.
0: Um, so that if
1: they come up with something clever to beat your shit,
0: deal with it. Exactly. This this you as a DM. You are thinking on your feet all the time, and you just have to deal with it.
1: And that's going to just about do it for this episode of Monsters, and we hope you enjoyed our Owl Bears episode. Yep, yeah,
0: and we got more coming up for you. Uh, please stick around. Like I said, we are going to be more regimented. It's coming soon, I promise. And we have some thank yous to put out. Uh, so first off, thank you to
1: um, our good friend producer Zach Hanny. We um, can find his stuff on our Facebook page. Uh, he's soma recording studios dot um, Also, Brie Ross, who made our little logo, um, again, her information is on our Facebook page, which you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, um, SoundCloud, whatever. Monsters and
0: Pod. Correct. Will be the handle for most of those. Again, MonstersandPod at gmail.com if you want to reach out to us directly. And please
1: do let us know if you have any monster ideas for us. Um, I've
0: realized now at the end of this episode, we've kind of done two pretty vicious monsters in a row. Let's try to, if you have any idea for, like, a lighter monster that you'd like to hear about, something kind of cuddly, let us know.
1: Or maybe something that, you know, is kind of off the beaten path, not owlbears, because those are, you know, common, beholders are common. We've kind of done a bunch of common things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let us know if you want to hear about more uncommon monsters, or if you want to hear about more cutesy monsters, or, I don't know, like a fire monster.
0: Um, But anyway, I think that'll do it.
1: Yep, I think that's everything. Uh, thanks for listening!